Welcome to the Black Theatre History Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the people, the plays, and the American theater's African-American theatre history makers. I'm KP Sane. Today we'll be speaking with Donald Lisi about his current production, Surviving the Trumpocalypse, a performance piece which examines identity, race, and the politics of existing in the era of 45. Donald E. Lisi Jr. is a writer, director, actor, comedian, and talk show host. Um, a San Francisco State University alumnus. Donald holds a BA degree in theater arts with a film minor. Uh, his TV and film acting credits include, and this is just a few, um, Cherry with James Franco, Denny on the NBC show Trauma, uh, Jack, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, his stage credits include Winton in the Royale at the Aurora Theater, Gabriel and August Wilson's Fences at California Shakespeare Theater, Jim of the Ocean is Sally Two Kings, a great role. Whining Boy in Piano Lesson. He's also done Harry Ape and Good Person of Szechuan and Berkeley Rep. Um, and also Jitney at um, the Lorraine Hansberry Theater, including many, many, many other credits. Uh, as a playwright, he's produced several of his own plays, including The Loudest Scream You'll Ever Hear, a drama based on the Atlanta child murders. Home Base, a tragic comedy about crack cocaine addiction, and his national touring one-man shows Colorstruck, Sex Phobias, and How Did the World Get Here. Last year, Donald was awarded the Legacy Award from the Theater Bay Area for his artistic and activist achievements. I think we'll see some of that today. And I'm here today with Don, who's joining me via Skype to talk about his current one-man show, Colorstruck, Surviving the Trumpocalypse. <laughs> Donald, thank you so much for being with us. KB, thank you for having me. Good to talk to you. Well, Donald, talk to us um, about, let's start from the origins about Colorstruck. I mean, this is a show that's been evolving over time. Uh, and right now, surviving the Trumpocalypse is a prescient version of, of the piece. What, tell us about it. Well, yeah, and I, I neglected something in that bio. Uh, I actually, too, have a degree in Black Studies, which, and I say that because the uh, the seeds for color struggle planted in me as a student in college when I uh, had the great fortune of being educated by Dr. Angela Davis, Dr. Richard King, Ray Richardson, mm -hmm. etc. And it was a look at institutionalized racism and when you have such brilliant minds as those and particularly I found out about Dr. Francis Cress Welsing who just passed away a little over a year ago with her brilliant uh, analysis called the Cress theory of color confrontation which looks at the history of institutionalized racism and how when the white male European began to travel the globe that the first thing they would notice that the majority of the people of the world had something they didn't, which was color. And she says this caused a reaction formation to, without sounding too academic here, her theory goes on to say they, that's how the, the seeds of a white male supremacy system that we currently live under uh, was born. But actually the play started in when I was four years old and uh, I was in kindergarten and a young man told me that I wasn't colored because of my lighter skin complexion, and I was really disturbed by that. But when I was four years old and I came home and I told my mother I was crying and I was very disturbed, and she said, she broke it down to me, she said, well, you're colored, but you're lighter skin colored, and black people don't look like, you know, one particular way. And then she started showing me pictures of my family, and we had from the darkest of dark to the lightest of lights. 
So that was where it all kind of began. And then like now, um, I just keep currently updating it due to Agent Orange Julius Caesar's idiocy and all the uh, ridiculous things that goes on through his administration. The challenge is to keep adding and taking away to keep it current. And that's what I try to do. Absolutely. And I failed to mention that I had the pleasure of seeing a production of this piece at the National Black Theater Festival this past year. Uh, and, and you begin the piece with this story from your childhood and how you came to uh, understand color in that way and, and how angry you get with people who don't recognize you as a black man. Um, oh, man. You know how many fights I had, KB, growing up? <laughs> I mean, and then, you know, it's it. I, I understand the design. You know, I'm a spiritual person, not a religious person. But I think that I was put here to look like this for that self reason to get people to understand that it's really not about the external looks of people. Because if you looked at my parents, you would think, well, there's no way. And you would think it's not genetically possible. But that's the beauty of my existence. And I think one of my main goals in life is to get people to understand this, that it really isn't about how we look and that race is a man-made construct. Uh, there's really only one race, the human race. So in these different constructs and subcultures and subgroups that we, that the society, I should say, and it's very deliberate to keep us divided. Uh, mm -hmm. That's part of the way they keep us uh, depowered, if you will, to not really understand our true power as a collective of human beings to fight against oppression, tyranny, and isms and schisms, is to keep people divided and squabbling over so-called perceived differences that never really existed. The bottom line is when you cut yourself, you're gonna bleed the same color as everyone else. So that's really one of my main missions, I think, because I had doubts growing up and sometimes, you know, my father would drink and I would see him looking like, and I could hear what he was thinking, that boy can't be my son. But the beauty <laughs> of it is, you know, he always was my father and, you know, we would always get he would always get questioned when he would take me to his job at when his and his white counterparts and he introduced me. And they'd always, wow, that's your son. Like, how can that be? And he would always defend me. And then the beauty is when my youngest son was born years later, when he came out, he looked exactly like my father. He didn't even he looked more like my father than he looked like me. And that was God's way of saying, OK, mm -hmm. no need to doubt anymore. So I. I I never liked that saying, there's six degrees of separation. I disagree. Uh, there's no degrees of separation when you're talking about quote unquote human beings. So let's start looking at what we have in common, which is the majority of things, rather than these perceived and small little cultural differences that we have. Absolutely. One of the things that you do address in terms of these inconsistencies and these divides that we create for ourselves within the piece is this notion of how, not just how we got here, but how we now can get by, um, how one can get over, if you would, uh, through, through these racialized experiences in our country, particularly now, um, particularly under this administration and with the cultural climate. From the beginning of the campaign to this date, we're seeing a, a different culture or a louder different culture. And one of the things that you speak to is is how to get by how to how to deal how to live within those circumstances and what are the most important messages for you that's a great uh, question and i don't want to give them all the way but there's six ways that i 
concretely give as a survival guide during this, what I like to call Trumpocalypse. I try to never call that idiot by name. He's forever known as Agent Orange Julius Caesar or whatever name you want to come up with. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. But the first way is for all people, particularly black people, to understand and know our rich and profound history. You know, again, when, when I was growing up in the late 60s, early 70s, we were only taught slavery and forward. But if you look back thousands of years prior to that, uh, at the Memphite civilizations and some of the ancient African civilizations, and you really start to understand not only yourself, but your relation to all of this beautiful, wondrous creation outside of ourselves. And to me, that's the other survival guide as part of our revolution as human beings and our uh, evolution as human beings is for each individual to become more in thank you to become more in touch with their inner humanity and their inner connectedness how can we come together and use this wonderful power that we all have to overcome all the obstacles and all the distractions that Agent Orange, Julius Caesar, and his cohorts try to put forth to keep us divided. And the beauty of my show, the, the most, the wonderful part for me as an artist is the discussions afterwards are so profound. When you have a, a room full of all different races, uh, like we just did this past weekend, it was very multicultural. We had young, we had college students, we had elders to hear people talk about these issues, but more importantly, our human connectedness. There's nothing more rewarding for me, and that's my hope, is to get us to not only present this show and give us food for thought, edutainment, but how do we overcome this? Because it is, the good news is we can. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. more than the capable things that we're born with as human beings to overcome any of this man-made construct. And that's the beauty of it, to hear people pour out their hearts and their experiences with race and you know, that, it, that's just, to me, the power of the piece is the post-performance discussions. I reminded Don of a story that I had told him about a day or two after I had seen the production about my experience after the show. We got onto the shuttle bus to head back after the performance, and I sat down in the back of the bus with a group full of people who kind of stared at me for a moment, and then very pointedly asked about what I thought of the show and what they were specifically asking was what I thought as a white woman about being in this space and why the show was important and why it was so timely and why it needed to be seen uh, and I have to give a little shout out to Miss Broadus and to the folks at the Charleston Black Theater because for the next 15 or 20 minutes the entire back half of the bus was just thoroughly engaged in this conversation about what we had seen and what it meant and why they hoped that their friends would get to see it and get to talk about it and how we thought that maybe more work like this really could change our American dialogue, which we all agreed was necessary. Absolutely. And I, I, I so appreciate it. I think I saw you the next day when you shared that story with me. I was like, yes, that's what, that's what it is. Let's talk as intelligent, rational, compassionate human beings and talk about that's the only way we're going to get past it when you shared that story with the women the black women I, you know it's been amazing i went to sarah lawrence which was an all-female college and these young black women one of them i knew who was dating a friend of mine, my son said we had some kind of racial incident 
on campus. And can you please come? And she was familiar with the show. This is around 2010, I believe. She goes, can you please? I said, I'd love to. That discussion afterwards lasted two hours. And it was so emotional. And these young ladies were talking about how they felt so devalued and so disrespected as young black women and women of color. Oh, my God. It got so, so, so emotional. Everyone just started hugging and crying and I'm crying. And it was at this moment that the wonders of technology failed us and Skype stopped working. I wanted to finish our conversation by asking Don about Colorstruck and its six-year history and to talk to him about what has changed now in this particular version and what continues to change. We finished our discussion with an old-school phone call. Hey, Don, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks. Hi, KB. Sorry about that. Uh, so tell us what's changed in the show. Thank you for that great question. The tone and content has changed. Uh, not necessarily comedically. In fact, uh, Agent Orange Julius Caesar is so ridiculous that it makes for more comedy. I mean, who else would say <laughs> last year, Black History Month, that Frederick Douglass is doing a great job? Who else would say that? But someone who is so oblivious and so out of touch with reality, he doesn't even remember that Frederick Douglass has been dead over 100 years. So comedically, it's even more a treasure trough of riches, thanks to Agent Orange, Julius Caesar. And one thing that uh, I always do with the show is that I have to constantly update it. Uh, after the book Fire and Fury came out, I had to put in parts about that and mm -hmm. him having cheeseburgers in bed and having a paranoia of sharks <laughs> eating his evil ass. <laughs> so... Again, there's just an abundance of riches. And the challenge is, you know, what to keep in and what to take out. So uh, I would say it's even more funny because Trump is hilarious. I said his name. Forgive me. Am I going to disappear? I tried to never say his name. Agent Orange Julius Caesar, I mean, to say he's so ridiculous. Yes. So, you know, and then Justin recently Today, or yesterday, or a couple of days ago, the uh, stock market crashed at an all-time low. So I have to keep monitoring and putting these things in to keep it updated and current. Well, thank you, Don, so much. You're a rock star, and I appreciate it. I really you. want to thank you for who you are, the, human, the wonderful human being that you are. And uh, I feel blessed to call you friend. Yes. God bless you. Thank you so Me much. Too having me on your wonderful program and I, I look forward to seeing you again and I cannot wait to meet your mom to tell her in person that she did an amazing job raising such a quality human You being. are so sweet y'all I promise I did not tell him to say all that Don we're going to close out here why don't you let people know how they can find you and get more information about the show God bless you and if folks want more information they can email me at D-L-A-C-Y the number 99 at yahoo.com. That's D-L-A-C-Y, the number 99 at yahoo.com. The Trumpocalypse is on us, but we're coming together as human beings. There's only one race, the human race. Yes, sir. God bless you all. Love you, Don. Thank you so much. For more information about Colorstruck Surviving the Trumpocalypse, 
for a few images, a direct link to email Donald for more information, and to see a promotional video about the show itself, head on over to www.blacktheaterhistory.com. This is the Black Theater History Podcast. I'm KB Sane. Our music is by Kaya Caterhurst from the album Nine Pin, which can be found on iTunes and wherever else fine music is sold. The Black Theater History Podcast is made possible in part by Art26201. To make a donation to the podcast or to learn about sponsorship or episode commissions, reach out to us at blacktheaterhistory.com. And while you're online, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at Black Theater Pod for updates and information about the podcast. That's theater with an R-E. And listeners, you also make this podcast possible. Make sure to subscribe to the Black Theater History Podcast on iTunes. We're all in this together, and we've got a lot more to learn. Thanks for listening.